what do you know about the metaverse? Wait, let me try that again. What do you know about the metaverse? Obviously, I don't know all that much about it, though I do think you're supposed to say it that way. I'm curious, though, as I hear more and more about it, what exactly is the metaverse and how might it impact industry and just an average person like me? I'm also curious about this concept called digital twins. What exactly are digital twins? Do I have a long lost digital twin? And if so, am I the Danny DeVito or the Arnold Schwarzenegger in this story? Well, lucky for me, Virginia Tech's Waleed Saad was kind enough to answer all my questions. Waleed is a professor of electrical and computer engineering at Virginia Tech, and he's also the wireless faculty lead at Virginia Tech's Innovation Campus. His primary focus of research is communications, but you'll hear him describe that as doing large bandwidth research because it encompasses so many topics. Heck, in this conversation alone, we talk about the metaverse, digital twins, and even the environmental impacts of artificial intelligence. So buckle up, we're about to cover some ground. I'm Travis Williams, and this is Virginia Tech's Curious Conversations. So I guess to get us started, what is the metaverse? Yeah, so let, let's start there. So usually I start by saying, you know, the metaverse now from the kind of the broad uh, 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 audience perspective has two connotations. Either someone says it's really what meta is talking about and that's nonsense and nothing will happen and so on. Or they say, you know, the meta perspective would be, oh, it's going to solve all of our problems, right? Uh, and it's kind of like the future. I think it's it, the, the reality is somewhere in between. So the metaverse is really uh, the ability to connect uh, the world, connect people through a virtualized experience. So meaning instead of the two of us doing this, this uh, podcast, what if we can do it in, you know, in a hologram, right? So you can see my hologram, I can see yours, and we'll be sitting together. At least that's a very simple thing, which is, uh, realistically can be done in the next you know five to to, 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 to to ten years at least and it it would allow at least you know COVID taught us that this is something that we probably need uh, as a society right but of course that all, the metaverse also bring in all sorts of other things like can I control a drone uh, through you know my room in a kind of like Boeing in, in Seattle right can they control a drone that is in, in Virginia uh, it also brings in the entertainment aspect right can we watch the Super Bowl uh, 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 as if it is in our in our you know uh, uh, living room. So so all sorts of there's entertainment, there's you know real world uh, 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 social aspect, and there's business you know opportunities there. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. Uh, it does sound really entertaining. Like if I could just drop yeah. into the Super Bowl from my living room. Yeah, I um, probably I'm probably most excited about the entertainment side of it. You know. So I guess the next question that I have is. What is a digital twin, and do I have a long lost digital twin that I should be looking for? Okay, <laughs> so so let me start. I think the, I mean perhaps defining the metaverse a little bit more specifically and showing how the twins play a role there would be great. So so at the end of the day, what is the metaverse? So you have a physical world, right, which is the world we live in, and the metaverse really aims to create a uh, digital and a virtual representation of that world. What does it mean? The digital representation is really kind of mapping everything into ones and zeros. And I mean, practically, it's like an AI algorithm, right? Somewhere which is replicating the physical world. And the virtual world is really everything virtual reality, right? So seeing the hologram. So the hologram has a digital representation, which is bits, ones, and zeros. But for us as users, right, we see the hologram. We, don't, we see the virtual world. So the integration of those three is really what the metaverse should be. 
and any intersection of those three, right? Not only three of them. I mean, it could be like a virtual and physical together. That's part of the metaverse. So the digital twin itself is basically a replica of a real world physical asset. And the biggest, uh, you know, application would be replicating like a factory or a car in the in the digital world. So creating a, a, a simulation of it that kind of in real time uh, uh, interacts with that physical system. So if, if I change, let's say Boeing wants to simulate uh, uh, a change in their airplane, right? And they cannot do that in the physical world, right? There's a lot of risk involved. They can create a replica of that, of that system and then they can play with the simulation. If it works, they can reflect it back to the physical world. So that's one main application of the digital uh, twin. And of course, there's the human aspect. You can have an avatar. So the avatar is your representation in the metaverse and that's your long lost twin in some sense in the metaverse, right? Playing there, uh, you know, doing, you know, playing Fortnite, playing Roblox, whatever kind of, of, of things you're interacting. So so at the end of the day, the digital twin is a, is a digital representation of a real world system. Uh, as it stands, really the main application now is, you know, factories, uh, uh, vehicles, drones, physical assets in the real world. Uh, and of course the avatar is another application, but the avatar, doesn't have, I mean, it's very difficult to make it a twin, right? Because how do we replicate intelligence? How do we replicate emotion and so on? So that's another conversation, but the, the physical, you know, physical systems, we can replicate them quite well. And I mean, not to kind of elaborate too much, but I, I work a lot in wireless, right? In 6G and 5G. And one application of digital twins is to replicate the communication system. And then we can do a lot of things of interventions on that twin and that reflects back to the real world. So it sounds like maybe the most practical direct application, if I'm understanding you correctly, and please tell me if I'm not, is this idea that you could basically try different technologies on something before right. you did it in the real world. Like you would, right. you could, in the digital world, you could say, hey, I think this piece, this part might do this with this machine, but I don't know because it's going to cost us a lot of money if we mess this up. So you plug it in on the virtual side to see if it does. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the low-hanging fruit because that's something we can, uh, I mean, uh, it, it's a great application and it allows you to model complex systems. And uh, I mean, you can do it as a simulator or you can, if you have a virtual component, you can even see it, right? So you can interact directly. I mean, the, the, the factory workers can work directly on it. But the uh, next step would be to have a real-time integration, which means your car has a physical twin, has a virtual a digital twin, and that digital twin will tell it how to navigate. But that's a, still a little bit of a long. I mean, exact real time, it still still needs work. <laughs> I have to okay. say. Okay. Okay. So that's a little bit higher hanging fruit. So yes, to speak. higher hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are some of the um, challenges in us reaching the potential to use these these digital twins to to benefit the average person? Okay. I think there's there's a there's a few. I mean, three to four key challenges. The first one. Uh, is uh, how do we actually uh, uh, build the twin, right? So what kind of, of, of technologies do we need to actually create that, that digital representation? And there, there's two technologies that come into play. One is AI, right? Because at the end of the day, if I want to do like an intelligent simulator, I need a machine learning or, or artificial intelligent uh, replica. And, and I mean, in, in, in reality, the, the twin itself, uh, the, the, the digital twin itself is nothing but an AI model of the physical system at, at the end of the day. So, but, but, but it's not any AI model because a digital twin has, as we discussed, it could be like living in the sense that in over time it accumulates knowledge. It's not, it's not a one-off thing. So you need a type of AI, which I mean, 
some of the community call it now lifelong or continual AI, which means that it learns from the past and it grows over time. It's not just like a kind of a static thing. So how do we create lifelong AI uh, that represents the twin is, is, is one, one key challenge. The second one I said, there's, a, there's another aspect needed to, to create a twin is to send the information, right? Because the twin interacts with the physical world. And that brings in communication challenges. So this is really kind of my main area of research, which is wireless networks. How do we actually make sure that the communication system can handle twins? If we talk about 5G, we're still struggling to get latency down to the few milliseconds in the real world. Uh, and and if, if we want to support a twin and you need it to be synchronized because it has to be an exact twin, you need zero latency in some sense. And that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a massive challenge uh, uh, that, that we have to, uh, to, to look at. And the third challenge is when you start looking at a system of twins, which is really the metaverse in some sense. So they're interacting with each other and, and, and they, have, you know, they, they have dependencies. How do we understand those dependencies? How do we take them into account? Like, you know, how do I make sure that uh, if the twin becomes, I mean, scalability in some sense, how do we scale it uh, to a real complete system, not just a niche car somewhere or a niche factory somewhere? So you, can, you could say that there's a convergence of computing, communication, and AI challenges uh, that come into the picture uh, when, when you look at digital twins. I was going to ask you what were the intersection of artificial intelligence was with this type of technology, but you answered it already. So yeah. I don't have to ask that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, it has, I mean, it has yeah, two roles, building the twins and optimizing the system in some sense. Yeah. Well, I know you're also working on a, a project or that you get a grant from the National Science Foundation, and I believe you're collaborating with uh, the Tokyo Institute yes. of Technology. Yeah, so we have a project on uh, basically what we call the Internet of Digital Twins, so kind of a parallel of the Internet of Things. Uh, and it's a, it's an NSF uh, grant with uh, with with Tokyo Tech with uh, University. I mean, it's a U.S. Japan uh, joint project, and we are delving into all some, at least the majority of those questions, especially when you talk about uh, uh, the network side of it, which is why we call it an Internet of Digital Twins. So we have one twin uh, communicating with another, and they also have AI components. So that's kind of what we're doing in that project. Yeah, that's really cool, and it's cool that you get to you get to work with somebody on the other side of the globe. To do yeah, that. it's a great thing. I mean, and in Tokyo Tech, they have this fantastic uh, um, experimental test bed where their campus, they are building twins of cars there and things like that. Uh, so it's a, it's a fantastic kind of like playing space to, to try and test and validate some of the ideas we have. Yeah. Have you gotten to go over there and, and see it in person? Not yet, but uh, kind of probably in spring because the project is in its, it's just started the second year. Mm -hmm. So the first year was like tweaking things. Uh, and I mean, we'll be going, I think they're going to visit us in September. We're going to visit them next year. Oh, that's awesome. Well, another area that I, I wanted to talk to you about, what are the primary environmental concerns related to artificial intelligence? Yeah, so I think uh, at, at the end of the day, what is AI, right? We, we say AI all the time. It's an algorithm, and that algorithm requires two types of resources, computing and communication. Computing means you need to kind of train or run these algorithms at data centers. Those data centers... Most of them are not, are, I mean, don't use renewable energy, right? They're, they're connected to kind of like, they have, they have massive carbon emission. And the more, you know, the, the, the larger the, the, the kind of like uh, load on those data centers, the more electricity they consume. And that means if you want to deploy twins at scale and they're all AI algorithms, you need to train them, you need to deploy them. And that by itself will consume significant amount of electricity, which kind of translates into carbon emissions that we have not taken into account, right? Because this is 
I mean, for us, AI is an application. It's cool. It works. Chat GPT works, right? And, uh, but but we don't kind of think more about what what it consumes. And at the same time, these computing resources, uh, these data centers, they require to be cooled. And cooling requires water. And there's a water environmental footprint that some people have looked at. I mean, I haven't looked at it myself. I looked more on the kind of carbon emission and, and you know electricity and energy. Uh, in the broader sense, uh, but we're looking also at the other side of the coin. And at the same time, AI algorithms, if they are at scale, they have to communicate. And when you see, if you look at wireless networks like 4G, 5G, we've always talked about how do we create green communication, but we haven't gotten there yet. And now we have this influx of new users that are sending you know, these AI algorithms over our network and they consume even more uh, communication resources, which again translates into energy. So creating sustainable computing and communication infrastructure for AI is is is, is an important topic that we should seriously address. Yeah, and is that is that where the Green Federated yes. Learning comes in? Yes. Yeah. So Green Federated Learning that's a project we started with uh, Amazon uh, through this Amazon VT initiative, uh, and this is where we're trying to look. Federated Learning is basically, uh, in simple terms, it's an AI algorithm that allows multiple devices to collaborate to complete an AI task, which means they have to exchange information. So there's two aspects we were trying to look at to make it green. One is reduce the communication use, and I already talked about why communication is not energy efficient. I mean, it, it consumes. Uh, I mean, it consumes power from your battery. It consumes power from the big towers, which are again not always connected to a, a renewable energy source. So there's a lot of consumption there. And second, is we we were trying to study how do you fit these AI algorithms on small devices without using a lot of resources there, because if you are able to fit them on small devices, you would practically reduce a little bit the the, the reliance on on those data centers, and that's in turn kind of makes it more green as well. Gosh, that's fascinating. You're into all kinds of different stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, because I'm in communication, so I call my research uh, high, uh, large bandwidth research, right? Because we have a very wide uh, bandwidth of, 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 of topics. Absolutely. Well, uh, I guess the question that I'll ask you as we, as we kind of wrap up is, what excites you the most about this space that you're in right now? The most exciting aspect is that we're trying to build, if you want, a brain-like systems. And, and by systems, I mean communication and AI systems. So these systems, in the next five to 10 years, we can see them as kind of living on their own. They can reason. Uh, they can uh, make decisions without human intervention to some sense. Of course, I'm not talking about the, you know, science fiction, you know, human will replace, AI will replace human brains and things like that. I'm just saying that the intelligence that we can embed into future networks can be very close to the way humans uh, reason. It can kind of like, allow these uh, wireless and, and, and AI systems to kind of uh, grow and become self-sustaining or self-living systems. And it's great to kind of lay the foundations of that. So we're thinking a lot of, about those problems from a very fundamental perspective that opens the door to all sorts of applications and metaverse being one of them. So that's a very exciting field. Well, that's awesome. That does sound exciting as long as we do steer clear of the science fiction side of the yeah, that we, equation, we I mean, right? It, yeah, it's, it's cool for videos and mm -hmm. things like that, but not beyond that. <laughs> Thanks to Waleed for sharing his insights and the exciting work he's doing related to the metaverse, digital twins, and helping us figure out how to mitigate some of the environmental impacts of artificial intelligence. If you or somebody you know would make for a great curious conversation, email me at traviskw at vt.edu. I'm Travis Williams, and this has been Virginia Tech's 
curious conversations.